This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. And you might be noticing, guys, I've heard this before, but Mark sounds very different um, than usual. And if I'm on YouTube, I'm not seeing your faces. I'm seeing the logo. And that's because today, weather here in Chicago is crazy. Freezing rain. It's always fun. Um, So we're doing a call in today. Mark not able to get into the studio. So that's why we have it set up like we do. If you're on YouTube, you'll just see the logo. If you're on podcast services around the world, Nothing's going to change. You're just going to hear our voices per usual. And we got a jam-packed show. going to be talking about the Super Bowl, of course, previewing that. We have the Rams and the Patriots. A lot of controversy about how we got both of those two teams. We're going to do our Super Bowl preview today. We're also going to take a look at Kareem Hunt. Who could he sign with in the offseason? Because there's multiple teams, apparently, that are interested in signing him. And then we're going to wrap everything up with a little NFL draft discussion about the Miami Dolphins and where they should target or could target a quarterback in this year's draft if they go and draft one. But before we get into everything, make sure to go on to iTunes and go and rate the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It really means a lot to us for those of you who can Go ahead and rate and review the podcast. We actually got a new rating um, from it's a train 1021 says favorite NFL draft podcast. Love the show. Sometimes Ricky says outlandish things, which I do. um, But overall, my favorite NFL draft show. So thank you, a train 1021. And you can be like a train 1021 and rate the onside kick on Apple podcast and iTunes. But Mark, let's get into it. The Super Bowl preview is what we are going to start with. We've got the Rams. We've got the Patriots. And before we get into what we think about the actual game, I want to ask you about where we came from because both of the AFC and NFC championship games had their own controversies that people are talking about. The AFC one is a little bit less, so I'm going to save that one for a second. The first one I want to ask you about is that Rams-Saints game. What are your thoughts following the NFC Championship game? It's it's difficult because, in an extent, I, I do always think in, in these type of situations, it does kind of fall on that. Well, don't give up the points, you know, or uh, you know, you, you lost for more reasons than just the fact that you kind of got screwed over by the refs. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's also the fact that everyone wants to kind of quickly bring up that, you know, there were missed calls that the Saints done had done as well. You know, there's things that could have gone against the Saints and helped the Rams. There's plenty of people that also want to throw out that, well, Sean Payton had run the ball instead of throwing the ball. They could have killed the clock. essentially. Mm-hmm. All these things are valid. They're all valid. Um, and, and I'm not going to be one of these people who are sitting there saying, well, I think we need to redo the game or redo the fourth quarter or anything like that. That's, that's silly. It's ridiculous. The outcome is what the outcome is. But the thing 
that that blows my mind is just how awful the officiating was and the weekend as a whole. But this was one of those times where it was completely blatant. It was completely obvious. Every single person in that stadium knew that this was take your pick, pass interference, helmet to helmet. Uh, I mean, targeting is not a penalty in the NFL like it is in the NCAA, but essentially the same thing. You know, you can take your pick for the litter of penalties this could have been. Everybody knew it was a penalty. The man who committed the penalty knew it was a penalty. Mm -hmm. The only person that didn't, or the only people, apparently were every single ref, who all just collectively were like, well, if you're not going to throw the flag, I'm not throwing the flag. And, And to me, that's the thing that's just blatantly obvious of there's a problem. And people want to point out various games. People were talking about uh, when the Saints beat the Vikings, you know, and the Saints were benefited uh, were the beneficiary of multiple bad calls in that game. Sure, okay, but really, what this is, and I think people are getting a little bit are, are having a little bit of trouble getting past this part. Mm-hmm. It's not just that this was a bad call. Despite this being one of the worst missed calls I've seen in a long time. Well, and Uh, I'm going to interject really quick because I'm glad you brought up the Viking Saints game because I'm going to get to that in two seconds. But my hold hold on, though, let me let me make my point first, because I feel like we're about to go in a different direction. (laughs) A little Um, bit is despite all this with. The big thing that we have here, it's not just that this was a terrible call. Mm-hmm. It's not just that this essentially kind of screwed over the team that had the game won. Uh, and then they got put in a situation where they eventually lose. It's not the fact that they could have made different calls. The thing is, the NFL has had terrible officiating for years. Games all the time get decided because of calls or no calls from the refs and it just isn't getting better mm-hmm. that's really what it is to me i i'm not a saints fan i'm not a rams fan i think it sucks for the saints but you know what things happen but here's the thing it was a terrible call and it's a yet another terrible call they keep happening and the nfl has not once shown that they actually care to make the changes that need to be changed, whether it's getting better officials, making them full-time employees Mm because they aren't, whether it is giving them better training, having somebody in the booth, um, you know, if it's allowing roughing the passer and defensive pass interference, allowing those things to be reviewable, it doesn't matter because the NFL has shown they don't care. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to improve it. Um, that's the point I, I really wanted to eventually get to was that it's just this was just the icing on the cake of yet one more really, really bad call. This one at one of the most inopportune moments, mm-hmm. and the NFL still doesn't really seem to care. Well, I've got 
two points I want to make with this. And the one is very simple. The other is my bias as a Vikings fan coming out. And I'll give the non-biased one first is basically there were first off many plays that the Saints should have had penalties called against them that were not called. And the thing I go back to is I'm just going to single out one of them. There was a face mask on Jared Goff was not called virtually would have, it took four points off the board from the Rams. If you call that Rams score a touchdown, you call this pass interference, Saints score a touchdown. Guess what? We're still tied at the end of regulation. The point is even in overtime, you got the ball first and still threw an interception. Like if I'm the Saints, like I get it. It sucks. You lost. I've been there in your own building. My team was there and lost. It sucks. But the point is, look at the two championship games. Drew Brees got the ball, threw an interception. Tom Brady got the ball first, drove his team down, won the championship. And I know what people are going to say. Well, Ricky, the Rams defense is way better um, than the Chiefs defense. If Tom Brady comes out, if Tom Brady comes out in this Super Bowl and demolishes the Rams defense, I'm just saying what if here, then you would look back and go, oh, well, then Drew Brees should have been able to. Of course, we won't be able to know that answer until two weeks from now. The second part of my, and this is why the second part is I have no sympathy um, for Saint fans. And I know Jake, one of our patrons, is probably going to get upset by this because he was super upset on Twitter DMing um, Sean about the game. Rightfully so. He's a Saints fan, but... For me as a Vikings fan, I looked at it and I said, I have no sympathy um, for you guys because about 10 years ago, you guys cheated and robbed my team of a Super Bowl berth. And now in my, like in my shoes, I'm sitting there going, how do you think it feels? Don't feel so good, does it? So that's kind of my non-bias and my bias. But I get I get why you're saying it, but two incredibly different situations. One was a penalty. Also, the other was just dirty play. Like, that's how they're different. But still, it's dirty play still shouldn't be. Like, you shouldn't go out there to try to injure somebody, um, yeah. which is what the Saints tried to do that year. And and it's been said multiple times that many, many teams employ basically the same mm-hmm. type of system. That's a whole other conversation. I'm never going to forgive the Saints for doing that and, and all that. But I, I do think, though, that when it comes to the penalties, you're totally right. There are bad calls on both sides. And that's why I'm saying, you know, this whole weekend was terrible officiating in both games. Both games had calls that could have completely changed the game. But there is just a certain extra element mm-hmm. of this was one of the most blatant calls you don't even have to be a football fan to watch that and know, hey, even Roby right. Coleman, you shouldn't it. be able to do that. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to watch football to think that's something you shouldn't do. And it was at such an inopportune moment mm-hmm. that it really did kind of end any chance of the Saints winning. I mean, they said the um, predictions, if you care about predictions mm-hmm. and percentages, went from like 70% for the Saints to win down to like 20 percent um you know it just collapsed and i honestly think that i i don't know what the correct answer is and i'm not gonna 
try and say I do. I have thoughts of what could maybe be better, you know, maybe in two minutes, in the two-minute warning, maybe you allow teams to challenge penalties. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you allow them to challenge penalties more often. Whatever it is, different conversation for a different day. But the NFL needs to do something, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's there's people who – and someone like Dave might dislike this part of my argument, but there's people who had money on that game because Mm -hmm. gambling is legal Mm -hmm. in many places. Um, So there's people who had money on that game that kind of got screwed by the ref. There's players who miss out on bonuses because of that. You know, there's all sorts of things that go into this. And I'm not trying to, you know, just throw dirt on on any Rams fans because, Mm -hmm. hey, they can't control it. And for the Rams, they should be happy that their team won. You don't control the officials. So you should be happy your team won. That's all that matters. Um, but the the NFL needs to do something because their officiating has been awful for years. Um, and I'm not going to lie, watching the Patriots and Chiefs game was a lot less enjoyable after seeing something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and we'll get into Patriots, Chiefs in one second. I want to say one thing to just kind of rebut what you just said. The thing that I noticed about this past weekend's games that it's a double-edged sword. Throughout this entire season up until this point, we have had more flags than we've ever seen in a football season, and it seemed like the league might have told the refs heading into this weekend, hey, don't call as many. Like, And we see this in sports all the time. When we get to the finals, when we get to big conference championships— the refs usually go, hey, we are going to swallow the whistle here because we do not want to be the reason yeah. why one team wins or so loses. That doesn't, that doesn't mean it's good officiating. Well, you, not, can st- you can swallow the whistle and still have bad officiating. I'm not saying like it's good officiating, but I mean it's the double-edged sword of if, the, if they would have just went in with the normal mindset, I think it would have been no problem. Like with me – Call the flags. I don't care if there's a ton of flags, no matter what game it is, because if the flag is there, the flag is there. For the AFC Championship, though, we had a completely different kind of situation where, and this is to me the most ludicrous one, where people are actually saying we should change the overtime rules because Patrick Mahomes didn't get the ball in overtime. Because the, I don't think that's ludicrous. Like, the Chiefs, de- like, and... The thing why I think that's ludicrous is you know the rules of overtime going into overtime. So if you want the ball, mm-hmm. stop Tom Brady. Like I get like my the well, words the, that just came out of my mouth are easier than said than done. Yeah. But stop but him and then your quarterback the will get the ball. But it's the problem that I have with this, and I'm not gonna sit here and say that the overtime rules need to be changed mm-hmm. right now. If the overtime rules are exactly the same for next season, I'm not upset. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change my opinion on much of anything. Um, everybody in the NFL, I think, knows that the NFL's overtime rules are not great. But the NFL, of all the leagues, has the most football, I should just say, American football, mm-hmm. is the most difficult to have an overtime for. Because think about hockey. Drop the puck, 
all right, next score wins. Yep. Basketball, five minutes on the clock. Mm-hmm. Throw it, next guy wins. You know, um, even when they used to have the shootout in hockey, <laughs> not amazing, but it was better than what the NFL. The NFL is flip a coin. Mm-hmm. You have an advantage if you're first. Which they still do of the shootout in the regular season. Oh, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I I was thinking the playoff time where it changes. <laughs> well, because that's um, why we watch the Blackhawks, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a long time since we've uh, had that luxury. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's just the NFL's overtime rules are just not very good. Mm-hmm. They're not terrible, but they're not good. It used to be worse, and I just got to throw – this one out there too, um, since you brought up the Vikings. Well, we both brought up the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Since the Vikings was your part of your biased argument. The reason why the overtime rules got changed last time was because of Brett Favre and mm-hmm. the Vikings. So that does need to be put out there too, since the Viking bias came out before. Um, and I think that Patrick Mahomes, the most likely MVP of the league, might be popular enough to get it changed again. But the problem that I think is is with the NFL's overtime is a simple fact of we had two offensive weapon teams, mm-hmm. two offensive juggernauts, right? And what happened for overtime? We put the better we I don't want to say better, but one of the better offenses in the league against a not good defense. And we said, these two offensive juggernauts, we're going to see which one of these teams are better. Four quarters, they've proven that they are equal to each other. So in order to figure out which one of these teams is the best, we're going to take the strength of one team and put it against the weakness of the other team. Well, and here's the thing. Now, ideally, I like the college overtime better than the NFL overtime. I will say that heading in. But the thing I am going to say about this overtime in particular, because when you put it like that, yes, it's like Max Kellerman said on first take of, yeah, Tom Brady got lucky. He won a coin toss. Like he won the coin flip 50, 50 chance. It could have went the other way. The reason why I'm not necessarily blaming overtime for this. And Brandon and I had this discussion um, before the primetime podcast, because he's a Chiefs fan along with being a Bears fan is in overtime, just in overtime alone. The Chiefs had three chances to get the Patriots off the field. They had three third and tens. What happened on each of those? Edelman, first down. Edelman, first down. Gronk, first down. So it's like, mm-hmm. and and that's the big thing is if you can't get a team off the field on third and ten, Three times, Correct. then maybe you don't deserve to win the game. But but here's the thing: can we say definitively that the that I'm sorry, not the Vikings, that the uh, Patriots would have been able to do any better? We can't because we don't know. We were I never mean, given the opportunity to find out. Now, Patrick Mahomes could have scored on that one drive, but uh, I'll put it this way: it's like because I listened to Colin Cowherd on Monday because I didn't have school and I was able to listen to his um, thoughts, and he put it. Perfectly. In football, you do not need to be the best in both offense and defense. You just need to be okay 
at mm-hmm. like both and be exceptional at one of them. The Patriots have Tom but, Brady on offense, but that's the problem. But their defense we, is we okay. We saw the exceptional. We saw the exceptional mm-hmm. of one team and the bad of the other team. But that's it's not fair for four teams, to, or four teams to, mm-hmm. for two teams to be completely equal through four quarters, through an hour of play. These two teams were exactly as good as each other. Then we take the best part of one team mm-hmm. against the worst part of the other team. And and that's not even to say that the Chiefs' defense is all that bad, because they're not that bad. I mean, they, they do rank parts, 31st in the NFL this year. They're they pretty certain, bad. But I'm saying they've got certain things they're good at. I just don't mm-hmm. want to make Chiefs fans mad at me right now. Um, they did just fire their defensive coordinator. For but anyway, um, But, like, these two teams were equal. Mm-hmm. They should have an equal shot at winning. Give them both the ball on the 50 and say, all right, offense, go for it. Both teams get a shot. Make it like baseball, mm-hmm. you know, where let the away team go first and then the home team or the home team go first and then the away team. You know, flip a coin for it. I don't care how it's done. I just think both teams should get an equal shot. And if someone wants to say, but what if it was, the Patriots with a really good offense versus the Bears with a pretty good offense but a really good defense. Well, then it would have been equal. It would have been best versus best. Mm-hmm. Sure, but then to make it really equal, it should have been pretty good versus pretty good for Bears' pretty good de- uh, offense versus Patriots' pretty good defense. Let's, mm-hmm. If we really have these teams as equal and we really want to see who's the best, who deserves to go on to the next game, we should see both elements. And I'll admit that we are cutting special teams out of it, but whatever on that. you know. And you can tweak the rules if you want and say, no kickers, you have to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And if you score a touchdown, you've got to go for two. Or you can do whatever you want well, to I do mean, with it. They have I just that don't in... think it's college well they have that in college where after what like two or three it's like okay you have to go for two now yeah i just and 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 once again it's like my whether review you should be able to review penalties i'm not saying i definitively have the answer Mm -hmm. i'm just saying that we all know that the current setup isn't completely fair Mm -hmm. i mean the statistic for in the playoffs it's pretty even not exactly even but pretty even in the regular season since the rule change, but in the playoffs so far, it's all except for the Rams. Since this rule change has happened, the Rams are the only team to go into overtime, lose the coin toss and win the game mm-hmm. in overtime in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're the only teams that did it. Well, so it's, a, it's, I think it's seven to one in that case. And like, so in the playoffs, it's not exactly, uh, a fair game. Well, and like I said, the one thing that um, were, I wouldn't be opposed if they did change overtime, but like, especially in the chief case, I'm not going to be very much of like the whole fairness game because you had three chances to get them off the field. You could not, but then but also that's not what they're good at. They're an offensive based team. But I'm saying is they, you had like you for, Two downs, really six mm-hmm. downs, you were showing no gain, no gain, no gain, and then just one play, you let up. They also had the biggest mind fart ever 
when I can't remember who it was, one of their players offsides. And it's that like, was, yeah, it's just the, there were things and this is the crux of both of them. There were things in both games that could have went differently. That could have won them the game, the saints and the chiefs, the chiefs also score a point in the first quarter and you win. Like they're like, yep. we can get to that too. Like with the saints, don't throw the interception in overtime. So, I mean, there's different ways and different things to focus on. There's just, we look at the recency bias and we look at the last thing to happen. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that's stuck well, I also into our head. That it, there's two different arguments here, mm-hmm. though. I mean, there's the people who want to say the Saints should have won that game, mm-hmm. which the Saints probably should have won that game, but they didn't. There's people who want to say if Patrick, if Patrick Mahomes had a chance, he could have tied it up again or he could have mm-hmm. won. You know, the Chiefs could have won that game. I don't care about either one of those arguments. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl is the Patriots versus the Rams. That's all that matters. And that is beautiful but, because that's what I want but, to go wait, into. Wait, but <laughs> the thing that the two, the, like I said, it's two arguments. Mm-hmm. The other argument is overtime rules. Any game doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. NFL's overtime rules need to be looked at, and officiating needs to be looked at. That doesn't change the outcome. It doesn't matter for the outcome. We have what we have, but there are two issues that came up that we already all know about. Um, that the NFL should take a look at. Well, let's move into that because we've spent enough time on the conference championships, although it was a lot to unpack. I will ask you this. Patriots and Rams, right now the Patriots are the favorites. The Rams, I know the title on YouTube for this is going to be Should the Rams Be Favored? I'm just going to ask you up front. What are your opening thoughts, Rams and Patriots, Super Bowl Lee in Atlanta? Well, it's it's difficult because, like I said, I, I thought that if the Saints were there, they could win this game. Mm-hmm. You know, the, if the Saints were there, I thought the Saints can beat the Patriots. I don't know that the uh, that the Rams are going to have that same ability. And the reason I say that is really because of the the offenses here between these two teams. This Patriots offense has shown time and time again, no matter what happens, they can go out there and win. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady didn't get sacked a single time. In the that entire game. postseason, too. He has not been sacked. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. So the best part, you know, I know Jared Goff played very well. I know that Todd Gurley, despite last game, has played well through the whole season. C.J. Anderson's come on like nothing. Uh, I mean, it's been amazing to see him playing as well as he has. But the real key, like key strength that they went out and they made sure to get was that powerful defense. Mm-hmm. That's where they spent that money this offseason. They had a great pass rush. But you know what? Tom Brady hasn't been sacked yet. So I look at that and I think, okay, there's an advantage there for the Patriots. I think about the fact that Tom Brady doesn't care how much pressure you put at him. He can still get the ball out. How great was the play calling to where how they could get the ball out so quickly, how they constantly were just moving, how Tom Brady was constantly stepping up into the pocket to give himself more time. Mm -hmm. He was always doing what he needed to do because he is, of course, the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, let's look at Jared Goff on the other hand. Jared Goff is absolutely terrible when he gets pressure in his face. 
if you don't pressure him, he is great. As soon as you put the pressure on him, he crumbles. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to toot my own team's horn, but I'm going to do it because we got knocked out of the playoffs, so I need something to feel good about. <laughs> uh, the Bears showed that very easily, that all you got to do is get the pressure on Jared Goff, and he will crumble. So I mean, yes and no, because he crumbled in that game, but like you look back to just this past week, the Saints got pressure on him, and there was one where he basically pulled a Patrick Mahomes book out and was like, I'm going to spin, get out, and just get the ball to the receiver to where we're sitting there going, how did he do that? How did Jared yeah. Goff do that? So, I mean. Well, all I know, all I know is Jared Goff has a 43% completion percentage mm-hmm. when there's pressure. Yeah. He throws more interceptions than touchdowns when he's under pressure. Mm-hmm. The man makes mistakes. And I'm thinking that the Patriots, team that likes to get pressure, a team that likes to force the other team to make mistakes, I think they can do that against the Rams. Now, of course, we say Tom Brady hasn't gotten sacked yet in the playoffs. Obviously, they need to continue that mm-hmm. because if if that offensive line, how many years ago was that? That was Peyton Manning's last year with the Broncos, I believe, mm-hmm. where they beat him in the conference championship game because Tom Brady got hit constantly, nonstop. Yeah. They could not, they couldn't protect the man. The defense and, just kept getting to him. If the Rams can do that they can win this game because if you can actually get to them, sure, that's going to make a difference. If the defense performs the way it was paid to perform, um, I just, I sit there and I know that this is the window for the Rams, but how many times have we seen it with the Patriots? They get there, they get it done. They win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, obviously the Eagles beat them last year, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a that was a big shock to a lot of us. But I just don't know if I if I truly buy that they will. Can they? Sure, they can win. They've got the pieces they need. They've got a great running game. They've got a they've got a good quarterback. They have a great pass rush. Mm-hmm. They can do what they need to do. I mean, they just beat. Drew Brees and the Saints, who a lot of people would say were probably the best team in the NFL this year, mm-hmm. uh, besides maybe if some people want to throw the Chiefs in as the best team. Um, but it just comes down to that factor of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They've been there, done that. They do it every year where you sit there and you're like, I think they probably are going to do it again because they always do. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why, to me, the biggest thing, there are two things that will be super important to how this game plays out, and they're both with the Rams. The first one is Jared Goff. He needs to be great. He needs to be great or exceptional, exceptional, eh, said that wrong again, exceptional in this game, or else the Rams will not have a chance. Number two, that defense needs to get pressure on Tom Brady because Just looking back the past few years, the Chiefs didn't get pressure on them this weekend. The Chargers didn't get pressure on them in the divisional. The Patriots moved on without knees. You look at every tough game the Patriots have had in recent years. 
Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game 2017. Jacksonville almost won that game because their defense got after Tom Brady. You look at Philadelphia. They won the Super Bowl because their defense got to Tom Brady on the last play and forced a fumble, forced what was a fumble in the um, scorer's book, a turnover at the end to solidify that game. You look back to Atlanta. Why were they able to destroy the Patriots in the first half? Their defense got to Tom Brady while the offense just went off the charts. And then you got the Broncos in 2015, the Broncos in 2013, and Baltimore in 2012 all beat the Patriots because the Broncos' defense was able to get after Tom Brady. And Baltimore, although they didn't get a sack on him, was able to get pressure so that their secondary could force two interceptions against Tom Brady in that AFC Championship game. So, to me, for the Rams, it's simple. Your defense needs to get after Tom Brady because if they don't, this could be a one-sided affair and could be over. Fair. I don't want to say fairly quickly, but it'll be one of those games where it's like, yep, we knew the Patriots were going to win this one from the word go. And I don't want that to happen in the Super Bowl because, of course, I want a close game. Yeah, and and that pressure is going to be so important. And really, the the run game I think will be pretty crucial for both teams mm-hmm. because I mean, you look at what the uh, Patriots have been able to do, especially adding into the passing game with uh, with White and Sonny Michelle to just basically tell teams there's nothing you can do that's going to stop us. Mm-hmm. If you cover Kronk, if you cover Edelman, we don't care. We've got these uh, these running backs that are great receiving running backs. Yeah. On the flip side, Todd Gurley got shut down against the Saints, mm-hmm. but C.J. Anderson once again picked up the slack and made it happen. And those are two dominant running backs who really can get it done and support a team. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the thing I said about C.J. Anderson before in the offseason was, you know, I just saw him as this guy who still has it in him, who can still be a running back number one. So you've got essentially two running back number ones on this Rams team. Either one of these run games gets going, that's going to be such a crucial advantage because really that's kind of how both these teams have won their way through the playoffs is with these great running games, whether mm-hmm. it's pure running or running off after a pass. Um, that's been great. And even though I think that the Rams defense can be something that wins them this game, if Jared Goff doesn't do well himself, if he doesn't stand up to the pressure, if he doesn't live up to the moment, if he can't control interceptions and purely just be this touchdown machine, he doesn't necessarily have to be a touchdown machine, but just needs to be smart with the ball. Um, that defense is going to get tired, and it doesn't matter. And Tom Brady is the guy where if your defense is even slightly tired, he'll pick it apart. Well, and that's a big piece of the equation, too, that I didn't even forgot to think about. Um, and thank God you brought it up, Mark, is – In the Chiefs game, it was insane when you looked at time of possession for the um, Chiefs and the Patriots. 
where the Patriots own the ball for 43, basically one second away from 44 minutes of that game being Patriot offensive possession, where the Chiefs only had the ball for 20 minutes, almost 21 minutes of that game. And even Patriots Chargers, you look at it, the Patriots had the ball for 38-20 compared to 21-40 of the Chargers. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's another thing that the Rams will have to do is how are you going to control the time of possession game and more so your defense when you get to third down actually getting off the field so that you're not on the field for more time than the Patriot defense because then you can tire their defense out and hopefully that means that Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson can make some plays against maybe a tired Patriot defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, people want to kind of criticize the uh, in overtime for the Chiefs not being able to stop the Patriots, Mm -hmm. but no duh, they were on the field for 40-plus minutes. Yeah. Um, of course they couldn't stop the Patriots. They were gassed. Uh, exactly, and that's... Here's the thing. Bill Belichick is the smartest football mind mm-hmm. that we've probably ever had. He knows football better than almost anybody. He's a genius. So, yeah, he is. He is. He knows his job very well. I mean, his saying of do your job, he does his job exceptionally mm-hmm. well. He is going to come up with a great game plan. And if he doesn't, he's going to pull what happened against the Falcons. Make the adjustments, and halftime, they dominate the whole game. Because mm-hmm. he can't. What we are going to be learning a lot about is Sean McVay. Can Sean McVay come up with that genius game plan that beats the Patriots? Mm-hmm. Can he make those adjustments? Because we saw it out of Doug Peterson. Well, with the I Eagles mean, last year. The we Eagles, saw what he was able to do. They just went toe-to-toe, and of course the Philly special is probably what you're referencing and pulling well, they, a they rabbit a out of the head. Yeah, they had a couple of great surprise plays that were at the right time that worked out, but he knew how to get it done. He knew how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Can we see that same thing out of a Sean McVay and, uh, and also a Wade Phillips? Are we going to see that out of them to see them go toe-to-toe with Bill Belichick? Because Mm -hmm. they're going to have to. You can't rely on Jared Goff and Todd Gurley to get it all done on their own and Aaron Donald to get a magical strip sack uh, out of Tom Brady, which kind of obviously was the big play that sealed that game for the Eagles last year. And I'll give the same kind of uh, benefit of the doubt that I gave the Saints call is the reason why we bring that up is the recency bias, but like you look at it, Nick Foles had a game that was stat wise similar to Tom Brady. You look at LeGarrette Blunt, he dominated the rushing and had more rushing yards than the Patriots running backs. You look at overall time of possession. Yeah, the Patriots had the ball for or actually the Eagles had the ball for 34 minutes compared to 25 for the Patriots. So it's kind of everything that we've been hitting on so far, the Eagles did that last year. Plus they had that big defensive play at the end that put the exclamation point on a Super Bowl win for them. Yeah, they just need to do what they can. I mean, really is what it comes down to. They need to be completely on. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it shouldn't be surprising to people because you've got a team who, like I said, have proven time and time again they know how to do this. They know how to win. They know how to be champions. So you should be the underdog in that case. You know, the Rams should be an underdog because they do have something to prove. They are not the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You can say about any team that you are not the Patriots, a team that's had, what, three dynasties in the past? <laughs> 20 years, uh, uh-huh. nobody is going to be that. So you got to go out there. You got to go get it done. Um, and are and it's going to be difficult. Are you saying the entire, the entire Brady era is three dynasties and not just one? I would say you could separate it into three distinct eras. Yeah. Okay. So three chat. Cause like the interesting thing that I was, I heard this week is that I can't remember who said it, but somebody was like, when he retires, eventually we're going to look at the past like 20 years as just the Brady era. Like, Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah. It was just the the, Brady era in football, but the team itself had went through some changes. Yeah. I think they have three distinct Mm -hmm. separate eras. Okay. Um, that all together create whatever, but yeah, I mean, but that last era is mm-hmm. really going to be defined by I think this Super Bowl because if the Patriots lose two back-to-back Super Bowls, mm-hmm. that's going to change the narrative, and all of a sudden it's going to be, yeah, you know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, they really started to fall apart at the end of that. Question you know, at the end of their careers. Question mm-hmm. for you because the, I got two last questions for you to kind of wrap this up. Of course, prediction-wise, we're not going to give our prediction until next week. Um, We'll have a pick segment the week of the Super Bowl, and that's when we'll give our pick and our score for the game. But I got two questions for you. One has to do with the Patriots. One does not. The first one, Patriot one. Michael Vick on the herd yesterday said that he thinks if the Patriots win, Tom Brady retires after this year. I want to ask you, win or lose, you can say answer changes for win or lose or stays yep. the same win or lose. Does Tom Brady at all walk away after this win or this loss in the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm going to never declare that Tom Brady will ever retire. <laughs> so the answer is no, no matter what happens, he doesn't retire. So he wouldn't John Elway it and say, you know what? Six out of nine. I won this last one. I'm going to walk out here because in that case, you know, six out of nine, why not seven out of 10? Yeah, why not make it an even number, right? Yep. Second question I have. This has to do with the Saints, who we talked about earlier. Drew Brees, after the game, said he does believe that he's going to come back next season. This Saints team, are they going to be right back in it next year? Or is this what many are saying were, all right, the Saints missed their chance and they're not going to be in this same situation, NFC championship game next year with Drew Brees? No, I don't think they've missed their chance. Um, they've got a young enough team where I think they'll be right back in there. And if history is proving anything, you know, they were one play away in the divisional last year. This next year, year, one play away in the next conference. year they'll lose in the Super Bowl. Exactly. They'll lose <laughs> in the very end of the Super Bowl and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
no, I don't think that much really changes in the NFC's landscape for mm-hmm. those top teams. I mean, the Rams are still going to be there. Saints are still going to be there. The Bears arguably are going to be towards the top. Um, and then, of course, you got teams like the Eagles and the Vikings that are right in there as well. It's all the same teams that were really here this year. I don't think that much is going to change. Mm-hmm. Well, this is where we'll put a kibosh on this. Next week, I know we're going to have um, our new patron, Eric, on the podcast, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the Patriots in the Super Bowl because he's from Boston and really wants to talk about his Patriots heading into the Super Bowl. So we'll have him on next week. This is where you guys come in, though. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section about the AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game, the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts? Let us know what you're thinking down below. But, Mark, let's move into our next topic. And I mentioned Eric being on the podcast um, next week, so I'll go ahead and pitch our Patreon. Make sure you check out patreon.com backslash Podcast to help support the channel, help support what we're doing here at MVP. We obviously cannot keep doing what we're doing here without the support of our lovely patrons. We just had Matt on the Primetime Podcast this week and talking about the Big Ten with him. So make sure to check that out, that link down below in the description. But, Mark, we're going to kind of change gears here, kind of look at a little bit of NFL free agency. And there's some big news coming out because this news dropped over the weekend. I was a little, like, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised by it because, of course, if you're good, you're going to get contacted by teams. But we all know what happened to Ray Rice and how he was basically dropped from football because what happened to him, Kareem Hunt apparently, according to Adam Scheffler, is going to have a job sooner rather than later. There are multiple teams interested in him. And before, usually I'd ask you, like, oh, which team would Kareem Hunt fit with? But I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to ask you a more direct question because one of the teams linked to Kareem Hunt is the Chicago Bears, who Matt Nagy was with Kareem Hunt when he was the OC with the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to ask you, with everything that went on with Kareem Hunt, with how good he is on the football field, what are your thoughts when you hear that your football team is interested in trying to get Kareem Hunt on the Bears? So, I mean... I think first of all, it needs to be said that it's not necessarily that the bears are interested. It's just that the coach said he's not opposed to it. They're willing to consider it in, in their little ending press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I do think a lot of people took that as, Oh, the bears are going to sign Kareem hunt and they might. Um, I think it, the thing that was said, the quote that a lot of people took out of it was the fact that Matt Nagy called him on the phone Mm-hmm. Um, and just to check and see how he was doing. And also the quote being, uh, you know, I believe in second chances, but not third chances. So that's, that's all out there. I just don't really see, I just don't really see it for the Chicago bears that much. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the bears are in a super bowl window. Um, they've got a few players that are kind of important that they're going to have to start paying in a couple of years. So to have a guy who's probably going to miss six games and then assuming, and this is kind of the debate on if the bears were that team, uh, would they get rid of 
Jordan Howard or would they keep him? If you get rid of Jordan Howard, then Tariq Cohen is the only running back really besides, you know, maybe Mizell or something like that who's not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kareem, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Tariq Cohen, he's not going to do it all on his own. He's a great elusive back, but sometimes you need that power. You need a guy like Jordan Howard. Uh, and if you get rid of that, you're kind of out of luck for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you keep him, that's just too many running backs. You know, that doesn't make sense. We've already cut down Jordan Howard's workload so much. We're going to cut it down even more. We're going to make him the third running back on this team. Mm-hmm. You know, that it doesn't make sense. And, and I do think there's value either way, whether the Chicago Bears get Kareem Hunt or not. There is some value in it. It's a conversation that needs to be had of maybe you do trade Jordan Howard and get something of value out of him because the Bears aren't utilizing him all that well. But the Bears' run blocking was pretty bad in general this year. Um, probably the worst part of the whole team besides the kicker mm-hmm. uh, was their ability to run block. So to me, I, I see why it could make sense. I'm not going to be angry necessarily if it happens. I won't be happy if it happens. I don't 100% know how I'm going to feel about Kareem Hunt being on my team if that's a thing that happens. Um, but I just I don't really actually believe it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and the big thing is is obviously when you hear these reports and it says multiple teams – are interested in Kareem Hunt. We obviously at this point don't know what teams they are. Obviously the Bears and even Ryan Pace and his kind of quotes were kind of like, well, you know, this and that. And then at the end he goes, we're not there yet. So, I mean, it's like you said, the Bears are interested, but they're not at like, here's the contract. Here it is on paper. And, There are a few teams that I could see that need running backs. Now, the thing that also makes this difficult that we could throw in is that Le'Veon Bell will also be a running back that is looking for a job. But, I mean, for me, I wonder with Kareem Hunt if there will be a team that goes and takes a risk on him because of what had happened, and I know like you mentioned with the Matt Nagy, I believe in second chances, but not third chances, are other teams going to think that as well? Because there are teams that I think of like maybe the Eagles or maybe the Redskins or maybe the Buccaneers or even, let's say, the Jets or, I don't know, the Bills if they think LaShawn McCoy's time is coming to an end there are teams that could use a running back. Is there any team in your mind that is going to take the stab and go ahead and offer Kareem Hunt a contract? Um, Well, I I think a few teams are going to do it for sure. Um, A team that comes to my mind is a team that they've they've got the ability to do it. They've got the ability to pay money. um, And the attitude of this team is one where they can get away with signing a guy who maybe has a little bit of questionable character or mm-hmm. has just off the field issues. That's the Oakland Raiders. Hmm. Soon to be Los Angeles Raiders. They're a team that I think um, 
needs to figure out a more long-term situation at the running back position. They're a team that needs offensive weapons. They don't mm-hmm. really have any. Um, they're a team that, you know what, they're the L.A. Raiders with John Grunin. They can afford to have a guy who did have some questionable past. Mm-hmm. They can get away with it. No one's going to be mad at them about that. They are a team that makes sense to me for it. Um, like I said, I mean, I don't necessarily know if John Gruden is going to be completely opposed to that himself. It's hard to say because, you know, he is a new coach. We haven't really seen, well, not, you know what I mean? He's, he's back mm-hmm. as a coach. We don't really know what he, um, what his interactions and how important on the field, off the field is to him. But it makes sense as an organization. And I mean, the thing, the thing with the Raiders is right now, I feel like they are the first thing I thought of was the joke of, well, does he smell like a Raider? Cause Mike Mayock's got to like Kareem Hunt's got to come in the door and Mike Mayock just has to go. Okay. He smells like a Raider. I, th- I think we can sign him. But, like, the Raiders, I don't even know if Kareem would want to sign there because the Raiders are not going to be competing for anything anytime soon um, that I can think of. And with John Gruden, is that – are you going to want to, with everything going on with you, trading Khalil Mack, trading Amari Cooper, the fan base already is not happy with you – I don't think adding a guy like Kareem Hunt would make that kind of situation even better. I look at it and I go, there is one team that I feel could sign him because it's a guy who was under Bill Belichick who might say, hey, Bill's done this all the time. Bill's gone ahead and taken a guy that many teams would – like how the Patriots took in Josh Gordon. And they usually take in guys that's like, on other teams, he's been a problem. He's going to come here, do his job, and then I know that Josh Gordon was the one that didn't work out, so that's maybe a bad example. But they have brought in guys that have kind of changed. Like LeGarrette Blunt had a resurgence when he was on the Patriots. Martellus Bennett on the Patriots didn't have many problems. Could a team like the Lions go out and get a Kareem Hunt because they're an interesting one that I saw an article about, like a Lions site kind of writing about it, like, oh, they should go out and get Kareem Hunt. And at first I'm like, I could see it because Matt Patricia could follow the Bill Belichick line of do your job and kind of instilling the same culture with the Lions. But my question is, you just drafted Kyrion Johnson who played pretty good this year and I know that running back is not just like oh we got one that's all we need but if Kareem Hunt comes to town then you're basically pushing on Johnson to the backup role am I wrong like K- Kareem Hunt's not going to come into the Lions and be the backup behind on Johnson probably not I mean unless they do feel like nope you've got to learn your place after what you've done mm-hmm. the thing but <laughs> I I think that anybody who picks up uh, Kareem Hunt is basically just kind of plug and play. 
you know, they're they're not looking to mess around. They know he's good. They've seen what he's done. Mm. Um, nobody's questioning his ability to play football. They're just questioning his, you know, ability to uh, stay out of trouble. And I think that's completely fair. That's completely reasonable that people should question that because mm-hmm. he's shown to have some questionable character. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody, any team that picks him up, obviously, is right away going to be like, all right, you ready to play? You know, we're ready to play you. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be a step in and start playing kind of player. So I don't know. I, I don't know that a team like the Lions, even though I, I can see why some other fans will want it. There's no reason why they wouldn't want it. I mean, he's a good player. Um, but I just don't necessarily know if I buy that it's actually a smart idea. Who's another team you could see him signing with? Uh, I can see the Redskins doing it. That was the second one I was going to bring up, too. Because I just don't think the Redskins are a team that, I don't want to phrase it like this, but I will, I don't think they care. They've been a team that's like, yeah, you know what, you hate us for our name, who gives a crap? Like, it's going to be, oh, you're not going to do it again? All right, Kareem, here, we'll pay you money to be a running back on the um, Washington Redskins. Like, even, like, like, look at Adrian Peterson. I know it's been a little bit further removed from when he had his drama of why he was cut from the Vikings, but they give AP a job and look at AP did a pretty good job as the Redskin running back this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they're a team that's shown they'll give people a chance. I think they'll give them a chance. Um, it's just kind of a, it was kind of the joke before that people kept saying like, Oh, the Washington Redskins are going to get a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? They might. And if they're the ones that are willing to take the shot. But the thing that comes down to with me is I don't think that the NFL, like the average NFL fan, I don't think they're going to be that opposed to Kareem Hunt. I don't. For for better or worse, I don't think they're really going to care that much about uh, a team picking up Kareem Hunt. And some people might think there's something wrong with that that they should care a little bit more about domestic violence. Um, But you know what? At the same time, I think we're kind of in a different part. Mm -hmm. Remember back when we saw the video of Ray Ray Rice? Yes. And comparing that to seeing the pictures from Adrian Peterson and what he did to his son. Mm -hmm. The reaction was a lot different this time with Kareem Hunt in this video. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were right away saying, oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, she came back at him. Like, why Why was this girl fighting him? You know, people were trying to kind of blame her mm-hmm. a lot uh, and find a way to forgive Kareem Hunt well, right off the bat. And I, the... I think we're in a different part than we were back when we first saw these shocking videos. I don't think people care as much now. Well, and two of the things that I have seen online is the first one was basically – And I'll be honest, I was in this camp initially, too, of, all right, what he did was wrong, but what did she say to him when she came back? Like, what did she say to him when he came back? Because, like, my my biggest thing, and I'll say it now because I will never, ever be in this situation is, and this is the point that I brought up, to like Dave and Sean is what if she had came back 
and said like the n-word to him that's like okay maybe you sit there and go well you shouldn't be pissed off at that but i'm never going to be in that situation so i don't even know how i would react in a situation like that because i can't and there's that part but then there's also like when he came back and kind of kicked her there were some people that were like, oh, that was barely a kick. He just booped her. He didn't even do anything. It wasn't really a kick. Come on. With Ray Rice's was a lot worse. And I mean, is it also that, that since it wasn't as bad as Ray Rice's, did people then say, oh, well, we're not going to get as upset about it because we've seen worse with Ray Rice. Well, I, I think that you know you do get a little desensitized to some of this stuff, mm-hmm. um, for for better and for better or worse. I I do think personally, I think it's just as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I you got Joe Mixon's too. Yeah, I, I don't think that you can really distinguish too much between oh, hitting this woman wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as bad as hitting that woman. You know, like it, I don't know. I I think those are kind of silly distinctions to make mm-hmm. um and uh, people kind of make them when they're convenient but i do think that we as a society are a little desensitized to stuff like this at the moment um and people can read into that as they like they can think what they want about it whatever but we kind of are at this point where we've seen enough of these where maybe people are willing to forgive it or rhetoric is a certain way so maybe people don't care as much anymore um it's just i i think the outrage is gone i don't think there's going to be much of any outrage about whatever team decides to do whatever with kareem hunt Mm -hmm. well and that's why and the last thing i'll kind of ask with this is i saw this question today and i feel like asking the same one is kind of dumb because a lot of people would go, well, duh, I want this guy over Kareem Hunt. But do you think that there will be teams that say, mm, I don't want to deal with what Kareem Hunt did. I prefer Le'Veon Bell over Kareem Hunt. Yeah, and, and Le'Veon's situation is a completely different thing where you're you're dealing with a different kind of mm-hmm. drama, a different kind of issue. Um, well, and also the thing to throw in there is not just that, but – Le'Veon's 26, going to be entering his prime, whereas Kareem Hunt is only 23. Yeah, you got a lot of longevity out of Kareem Hunt. The thing that concerns me about Kareem Hunt, if you're a team looking for the future, is this is a guy that can't seem to get it straight. He Mm -hmm. cannot seem to keep his head out of trouble. Um, For teams, do you really, really think you can trust him? Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to me. It's it's nice that he's 23 years old, but do you really think your investment, you're going to get everything out of it? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to be missing out, you know, on a Le'Veon Bell or a good running back prospect in the draft or something like that, um, or trading for Jordan Howard? You know, like, do you really think that you're going to get your money's worth on this investment? I'm not convinced that you will. I If, if I'm proven wrong, great. Uh, but... I'm leaning towards I think that teams are going to be a little bit upset with with making that choice. Mm-hmm. So they'll, you think that there will be teams that might go after Le'Veon before they go after Kareem? Or go after Le'Veon and not go after Kareem? Well, no, I think teams are going to go after Kareem Hunt. He's younger. Oh, he's okay. cheaper. 
Um, but I think that Kareem Hunt's going to have more issues in the mm-hmm. future. I mean, he's kind of shown that he's not somebody that you can really kind of count on mm-hmm. to keep his head straight. Um, I think that's going to be the big problem for teams. And the thing that I also wonder, and this is the last thing I'll say with the whole Kareem Hunt thing, is I wonder if with Kareem Hunt, because of all the off-the-field issues that we've talked about, is is he going to, when multiple teams are interested, are those teams that need a first-string running back? Or are those teams, like I will throw out the Patriots again, where there are teams that are like, you know what, we can take this risk, and if he pans out, great, that's amazing for us, but if he doesn't pan out, maybe we can get him on a type of deal where even if we get rid of him, it doesn't hurt us at all. Um, or if we bench him, it doesn't hurt us at all because we're a team that is in good standing. And just because we don't, like, we're good without him now, why would we be good without him? Or, yeah, we're good without him, so why would we stink with benching him? I wonder that too. Is is he going to get a job where he's a second string running back behind somebody and not be the main guy on a team? What do you think I, about that? That would surprise me. I mean, he's he's already proven how good he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very young, and it's mostly unless there's only one option and that's it for him. Mm-hmm. I would be be shocked if that that's what ends up happening. I don't think he's going to be willing to take that kind of deal. With the one exception being if he does like a, you know, one year prove it kind of deal. That's the only reason I can see maybe that would happen. Well, and we'll see what happens with Kareem Hunt. Apparently, multiple teams interested, um, and like Adam Schefter said, he'll be signed sooner rather than later. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below um, if you're a team, if you're a fan of a team that needs a running back, would you want them to sign Kareem Hunt even with the off the field issues? And also, where do you guys think Kareem Hunt is going to sign? Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. But Mark, let's close out the podcast, taking a look at a topic from the NFL draft as now we are down to what, 30 teams um, that are now locked up. The Packers might be a little happy that the Saints lost because now they get the 30th pick in the draft and not the 31st or 32nd. But before we get into everything, just want to pitch mostvaluablepodcasts.com where you can catch MVP each and every day. Make sure to check out mostvaluablepodcasts.com. Hit that bookmark so you're always caught up to date with MVP. But, Mark, we're talking about the NFL draft, and we're taking a look at a specific team, and that is the Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins right now are the 13th pick in the first round. One position that they could go to is quarterback because you got Ryan Tannehill, but he's coming up to the end of his deal, and really is he the future for the Miami Dolphins should they go with someone younger so we're going to take a look at, first off, the options for the Dolphins in the first round of this draft, maybe, and then kind of branch out from there. The first thing I'm going to ask you, though, they're at 13. So they're out of Kyler Murray. They're out of Dwayne Haskins' territory. Because of that, should the Dolphins trade up in the draft to get either Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins? 
I would say no way. Just no. I mean, you, you've got a quarterback uh, that you can use. And, and I know that there are Dolphin fans out there who are getting mad and saying, no, we're not going to have Ryan Tannehill come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't buy that. Um, I don't think you're going to have necessarily a better option. Um, but especially not in the draft. I mean, if you're going to miss out on Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, which personally I'm not even sold on Kyler Murray in the NFL. So mm-hmm. really for me it's Dwayne Haskins. Um, and that's it. It's not worth trading up because what are you going to do, trade all the way up to number one mm-hmm. to guarantee you get him? I mean, you well, don't want to I mean, trade up to number two and have somebody trade above you. Well, and that's the thing of will the Cardinals take him at number one and – Really, will if you trade for two, will it end up being like the Eagles and Rams, where the Eagles traded up for two, then the Rams traded up for one because somebody wanted wanted a quarterback higher than you? I don't know what you do. And the one thing that I'm glad you brought up that um, you believe that Tannehill isn't going anywhere for this year because I'm sure you saw it, but just in case no one else did, on our mock draft – from last week, we had a comment of Dayanus, D-Y-A-U-S, um, and here's what his comment read. Do you pay attention to all NFL teams because Tannehill will not be playing for Miami this year? Your comment about how Miami is saying no, or saying no we have Tannehill makes no sense. Miami may not look to draft a quarterback this year or trade up for one, but one thing is for sure, Tannehill, and then in all caps, will not be a Miami Dolphin in 2019. And I replied to that and kind of went back and forth. Here's my reaction here is I'm with you. Tannehill's your quarterback next year. Like, it is plain and simple. He will be back. Unless he is injured, he's your quarterback next year. Yes, there's a potential out this offseason. I don't think... The Dolphins do that because the Dolphins have, in my mind, two decisions that they have to make. The first are three decisions. One of them, me and you, have already made for them because um, I agree with you. The first one is, do we trade up for a quarterback? I say no because in order to trade up for the first overall pick or the second overall pick, We've already said on podcasts what the Rams and Eagles gave up. If you're trading up with the Cardinals, you're giving up the multiple first, maybe what that was a third and a fifth, I think, from the Rams, and then a first and a third next year. That's about the asking price you would get for the first overall pick. And if I'm the Dolphins, I say no way to that. My question is, and this is the second step to this, is if you're not going to go with Haskins or Murray to trade up, do you go ahead and take a quarterback in the later rounds? And in that case, you're settling on, do you take a Drew Locke later on? Do you take a Daniel Jones later on? A Will Greer? A Ryan Finley? Do you think the Dolphins in maybe the second or third round should go ahead and take a Drew Locke, a Daniel Jones, or a Will Greer this year? Or do what the reports have seemed to where they're saying, hey, we're going to wait till next year and take one of the first rounders in 2020. Yeah, I don't think that – I don't think it's worth it. 
is really what it comes down to. I mean, to draft you can, you one can this grab year? one of these guys who, um, in a second or third round, mm-hmm. who, sure, maybe turns into something, but I highly doubt that they will. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of those situations where it's a silly gamble um, for something that I don't think is going to work, and you're just going to be drafting another quarterback next year. This is not a reason to do it in my eyes uh, where basically you're just kind of wasting a draft pick and you can get quality players in the second, third, fourth mm-hmm. round. Um, but I don't know that they, I don't know that they would be that willing to give up something that's going to be valuable to them. See, and that's why to me, the thing that I look to is there is, one there's only one quarterback in this draft that I would look at if I am the Miami Dolphins. And I know right away people are going to be like, well, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones. The only one I look at if I'm the Dolphins is Will Greer. And I'm not saying trade up for him. Like, obviously, you're not going to take him with the 13th pick. You're not going to trade up for him in the first because he just he, he he's not going to go that high. He's not even, in my mind, a first-round talent for a quarterback unless it's the Lamar Jackson treatment where a team wants to take him with the 32nd pick and trade up for that so they get the fifth-year option on him. I'm looking at it where if he's available, because I think he could be a second, third-rounder, maybe more of a second because I think that a team that is quarterback-hungry that didn't get Haskins, didn't get Murray— is going to go ahead and take a Will Greer maybe earlier than he should. If he is available at 48, which a lot of things have to happen, he's got to pass through the Giants, who if they don't go quarterback, could go with them there. He's got to pass through Tampa Bay, who although they are going with Jameis Winston this year, could still take a Will Greer at 39. He's got to pass through maybe Washington, at 46, who could take a quarterback. Denver at 41, who could take a quarterback. If he gets, though, to 48, he's a guy that if I'm Miami, I might think about pulling the trigger with the 48th overall pick because Will Greer's a guy to me that out of the second and third and everyone behind Murray and Haskins, he has the most potential to me. The only thing that I think is a huge red flag for him is his mechanics. Where, like I've said on the primetime podcast, it's not as bad as Tim Tebow's was, where Tim Tebow had the full circular arm motion going on. And it was like basically when he went to throw, you kind of knew he was throwing because it took him so long to get the ball out of his hands. It's not that bad, but he does have to kind of make that motion a little bit quicker because he does have a kind of hitch in it. But if I'm the Dolphins, I'm okay with that because if I'm bringing back Ryan Tannehill this year, all right, let me take a Will Greer at 48 and he can just sit behind Tannehill for this year or next year, depending on how long it takes him to develop. If he'll be like a Mahomes and he's ready year two, or if he'll be like an Aaron Rodgers where Aaron, I believe, sat two years before they forced Brett Favre out of town, and Aaron took the starting role. Yeah, and and I think that they certainly could try and get somebody to to kind of lock him up. I mean, 
somebody who is starting to get talked about a little bit um, that I'm not sure I 100% agree with, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. the quarterback from Duke, yep. um, who at the end of December did really well against Temple uh, in his bowl game. And now he's saying he got a first-round grade, um, and that's part of the reason why he decides to go into the draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... And people are kind of linking him to some teams that have a Ryan Tannehill or teams that maybe uh, Blake Bortles is in the same situation, but maybe you could argue that have a Blake Bortles, uh, a Jameis Winston, a guy who is like, we have somebody who can start today. We can let him sit. We can let him learn, like you're saying, a Patrick Mahomes type of thing, a Lamar Jackson type of thing, and he can come out next, the following year, uh, and do it. I mean, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to be looking for that when they saw Patrick Mahomes' success. They're going to be looking for that guy they can stash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, Patrick Mahomes was not really a classic stash him and wait till later type of thing. No, he was a guy that like the Saints and the Chiefs both really wanted. Exactly. That's a guy who people would have played him day one. Mm-hmm. It just happens that the Chiefs had Alex Smith, a very solid quarterback. Mm-hmm. So they had their own option. They were ready to go. Uh, they didn't need him. That's not going to be, I think, the same case potentially for some of these other teams that could draft a Will Greer, a Daniel Jones, something like that. I don't think that they're going to be the same situation where they say, there's no way that we need this guy to start, mm-hmm. especially if they end up drafting him at the end of the first round or something like that. That's what Lamar Jackson got. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't need him, but they ended up playing him because, well, things started going a little downhill. It was an injury, and then he just never lost the job. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why, for me, I think the Dolphins are in a sticky situation because, first off, all of the main quarterbacks that – will be after Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Ryan Finley, Daniel Jones, Jarrett Stidham, um, Will Greer. All of them are playing this weekend in the Reese's Senior Bowl um, in Mobile, Alabama. So I think this is the first like this is the first time that I can remember that most of the quarterbacks that we had are actually in the Senior Bowl and are actually like seniors um, coming out. And are not the young underclassmen um, that we've seen, or the juniors, I should say, because it's not like basketball where you can be a freshman um, coming out, where you see like Murray, Haskins, not seniors, um, so they're not going to be in the senior bowl. I think it's going to be interesting to see, if I'm a Dolphin scout, how these quarterbacks do in this game. Of course, it doesn't mean everything, but how do they do in the game. Then it's like, okay, John Gruden and I think it's the Browns coaching staff are the two staffs that are going to be coaching these teams. What do you see from them? How do they interact with these players and the quarterbacks that you're looking at? Maybe asking like a Raiders, like, hey, you were the ones that kind of were with them at the Senior Bowl. What did you think of him? Because I would be surprised if that didn't go on um, with the different scouts and executives um, throughout the league. 
But I say the Dolphins are in a weird situation because if, let's say, you pass on a quarterback this year, like I'm saying it all in the entire draft, don't take a single quarterback, then next year you're kind of, in my mind, got to bank on a first-round quarterback. And right now, of course, a full college season can change a lot. Guys can play themselves into a discussion. Some people can play themselves out of it. But right now, early for 2020, the three big names are Tua, Jake Fromm, and then obviously Justin Herbert, who went back um, this year, who could have been in this year's draft. And if I'm the Dolphins, I look at it. Okay, I'm the 13th pick this year. I won seven games this past year. Am I really going to be that much worse with a new coach coming in? Or is this team going to be in the same part of the draft to where I may miss out on Tua, Fromm, or uh, Herbert? Or next year, I may have to trade up like I didn't want to this year because I can't pass on that quarterback next year. It is, of course, going to depend on a few things. It depends on what happens during free agency. Mm-hmm. You know, due to some of these teams that we think need quarterbacks, like, uh, you know, the uh, not my, the Denver Broncos, mm-hmm. like that, are they filling their needs? Jacksonville Jaguars, are they filling that in free agency? Um, you probably will be a little bit worse when you are uh, getting a new head coach. You're installing new schemes. You're mm-hmm. having your players learn a new offense. So you probably will be worse. But there's not going to be that many teams. A lot of teams have their quarterbacks. A lot of these young quarterbacks have worked. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. Someone's going to get Nick Foles, you know, uh, Mahomes, Watson, and Trubisky. All these guys have essentially worked out. Baker Mayfield's looking good. The only ones who are questionable is like a Sam Rosen, uh, Darnold, maybe Josh Allen, who are the fresh rookies. Uh, but You're thinking Josh those guys Rosen. are going to get those guys are going to get another chance to start. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to have another opportunity. You're not going to change them so fast. So the Miami Dolphins are going to probably be in a pretty okay spot to not take a quarterback this year at all and hope for one of those other quarterbacks. If this is once again, the magical quarterback draft where there's a million great quarterbacks just sitting mm-hmm. there waiting for teams to take them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, that's a big thing I just I think about with the Dolphins is if you don't take one at all, there's no guarantee you're going to be in the top of the draft. And the thing that is interesting, too, is as I say that, I looked back and looking at the Dolphins' schedule, I know that's woulda, coulda, shoulda, but I'm going to say it anyways. Realistically, they should have been a 5-11 and 11 team because they're – Patriot win was a miracle um, and they were lucky to win it. And then also the game against Chicago. Yes. Brock, the cock cockadoodle do went out and played well, but also they were kind of lucky to win that one as well against Chicago in overtime. So, I mean, you could be sitting there right now, you're 13th, but if they lost those two games, they would be, let's see, strength of schedule is there. They would have been the fifth pick in the draft. So just because they won those two games, they went from the fifth pick in the draft, two picks above 
the Giants all the way down to the 13th pick this year. So, I mean, there is a good chance, there is a chance that the Dolphins could be top five next year. Hey, we're going to be in a good situation to get one of the top quarterbacks. I just, with with me, I just, I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket because you never know what's going to happen the next regular season. And if I'm the Dolphins, I would always go ahead and maybe second, third round. If I like, only if you like him, if you like a Will Greer, if you like a, uh, a uh, Daniel Jones, if you like a Drew Locke, then draft one of them this year. Because what you can always do is you can always do what, let's say, the Patriots did with Jimmy Garoppolo. You can always do what many said the Redskins might have done with Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins was one of those second, third-round quarterbacks as well. If you get a Tua next year, you can always find a team that, hey, you know, Will Greer is developing nicely. We can trade him for something. We can trade him to another team that might like him also and needs that and is looking for that franchise quarterback, that future quarterback that they might see in him. So that's why for the Dolphins, I wouldn't my draft plan would be I am leaving this draft with a quarterback that I like. It's just they're probably gonna have to do that in the second and third. And then my target may still be a first round quarterback next year, depending on where I am. But that might be like some people may be sitting there going, well, Ricky, that's crazy. Why waste the pick on a quarterback if you're just going to plan to take one in the first round next year? Which I 100 percent agree with. There's no reason to draft a quarterback this year if you're pretty sure you're going to draft a quarterback next year. Because mm-hmm. you're, I mean, your your whole plan is basically draft a guy this year for fun, just in case know. we win games. Yeah, I mean, just in case. But even so, I still, I mean, you're saying there's going to be three, four, five first round quality quarterbacks next year. We're saying three for sure right now, but anything can happen. Yeah. You're going to probably be pretty safe to be able to get one of these guys. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need to invest in, in wasting a pick this year in the draft. Um, I mean, if you want to look at it, you can look at the pro bowl picks for a team like Chicago and having third and seventh round and fifth round players making the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. There are quality players. And it's just not worth wasting a pick on somebody that you know is not going to play. Ask the Cleveland Browns with Deshaun Kaiser, you know? True. How did that work out? They never really did anything of any value with him. Um, and now they have well, Baker Mayfield. They drafted him, and then they took Baker with the number one overall pick. Exactly. It was just, just a waste. And now Deshaun Kaiser gets to back up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. But any final thoughts you've got on this on this topic? No, I I would I'm not going to be surprised if the Dolphins draft a quarterback, uh, but I don't expect it. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. Should the should the Dolphins trade up for a first round quarterback? That's number one. Number two, should they take a quarterback in this? just any round of this draft 2019. Then the third part is if they don't, are they going to be in a good position to get a quarterback next year in the first round for 2020? 
That's going to do it for the Onside Kick this week. want to thank everyone for listening to us on YouTube this week, listening to us on podcast services around the world. Make sure to check us out on patreon.com backslash Podcast. Help support the channel. Make sure we can keep doing what we do for you guys each and every week. Make sure to also follow us on Twitter at MostValuablePod. You can go ahead and MostValuablePodcast.com. Catch MVP each and every day. And last but not least, if you have an iTunes account, you have an Apple Podcast account, make sure and go and rate and review The Onside Kick on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. want to thank you guys yet again for watching us on YouTube, listening to us on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.